This is the gospel reading. <clears throat> when you enter a town you, and are welcome, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Good morning. It is... uh, it is a real privilege for Barb and I and for Dean and Alice again to be with you. We really enjoy this time. We have one more Sunday, and then uh, Richard's going to take over, and I, I think uh, continue on with some passages in Luke. Um, so we're, you'll be excited to hear that as well. And I know you're praying for Brian and Katie, and uh, um, this is really an important time for you as a church and for them. It's really a, a good time for them to reflect and uh, renew and um, be recharged and come back to you. Um, and who knows what God is doing in this time in your lives and in their lives. So I'm excited to, uh, to watch and see what God does through in town. So we've been thinking about the sending of the 72 in Luke 10, and we're continuing in that today. So far, we, we started with the thought that... Uh, Jesus calls us to do the hard work of compassion. We, actually, we looked at the woman at the well, and then we began in uh, Luke 10 and thought about the need to believe in the first place that Jesus would send us and what it means to believe. And last week, we thought about building relationships and how uh, um, the Lord sends us to enter houses and to lead with peace and to look for peace and then to stay. And today, we're thinking about blessing. So when you enter a house, how do we bless? We read in, or heard in Genesis 12, you know, this is the call to bless. You will be a blessing. I will bless the nations through you. And we believe that continues now into the church. We are to be a blessing. But if you're like me, we don't want to meddle, right? I don't want to, I don't want to mess with people. I don't want to... I mean, it's, that's really not very popular, is it, to, to get into someone's life and try to bring change? Is that what it means to bless, to meddle? To, I mean, what right do I have to say to someone that you ought to do this or you ought to do that? Is that what it means to bless? So uh, let's think about this and let's ask the Lord to speak. Let's pray. Lord, would you speak through my words and through your word, most importantly, and help us to understand what it means to bless, we pray in Jesus. Amen. Barb and I moved here in uh, 2010. 
Uh, we had planted a church in Des Moines 25 years ago, and, and uh, um, for some reason the Lord didn't think we were done, so we, we came out and, and uh, actually followed Barb's calling primarily to be a professor of nursing at the University of Portland. Um, and uh, so that kind of gave us our geography, and, and um, now we're in that dual calling of, of church and uh, uh, teaching. Um, and we've met lots of people. We didn't know people in the North Portland area. We knew Barb's family's here, so we knew folks around, but uh, not North Portland. And we've been meeting people ever since. And one person I'll call Lisa um, is, is sort of typical. She's a very bright, uh, has a PhD, um, just very sharp, artistic, uh, very troubled, very painful background, very damaged as a child. Um, and we've been building a relationship with her, been in relationship with her on and off for several years. And it's, but she's just a representative of people that you know as well. And, and we have to think, what does it mean to bless people that are so hurting? Or, on the other hand, then we have other friends who are highly successful, doing well in their professions, but have no connection with church. They're not really anti they just really didn't grow up with it, and it's, it's, you know, it's sort of like, hey, you should go to our group where we have lectures and a, and a musical group. And they think, well, that's nice, but why would I do that? I, I've got my other clubs that I'm a part of, and there's a, my favorite pub has really great music, and I don't need to hear a lecture. How do we bless people? Well, let's see what Jesus says. He's continuing now in this sending of the 72. In verse 8, when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Now, that sounds almost like Boy Scout <laughs> rules. What, what is he after here? Well, remember, these are all Jewish folk, the 72 and the 12. There's a lot of dietary restrictions. Jesus says, eat what is set before you. Now, I don't know if he's telling them just to chuck the whole, you know, Jewish dietary law, or, or if he, I don't know for sure what he's saying, but I think he's saying engage with people. Get involved in people's lives. Eat what is set before you. Don't worry so much about separating yourself and protecting yourself. Engage with people. So we've spent a lot of time since Barb and I moved here just engaging, going to things, we go to parties, we go to neighborhood things, we get involved in causes, and, and we just go to things. And it's, you know, it, as Christians, sometimes we get into this, this uh, uh, a pattern, and it's not a bad pattern of, of inviting people to things. We invite people to worship. We invite people to special meetings or special things we have, and that's a good thing. And, and we should think about that, and, and we want to be hospitable, right? But maybe it's as important or maybe more important to go to things, to engage in what other people are doing and just be involved. Eat what is set before us. Get involved. Engage. We bless people by engaging. Jesus goes on and he says in verse 9, heal the sick who are there. Well, that's simple enough, right? Engage, get involved in a group, and then heal everybody. <laughs> All right, you got that? We'll move on. <laughs> well, notice, you know, just the chapter before, chapter 9, Jesus had sent the 12. 
and it says that he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. That's pretty nice. Well, now he sends the 72. He says, heal the sick who are there. And we're going to read next Sunday um, in verse 17. It says, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. So apparently, they had been given authority as well. And guess what? We have been given authority to heal. Heal the sick who are there. We have authority to heal. Now, that doesn't mean we know what's going to happen or we know what Jesus wants to do through us, but it does mean we go with authority. I am not a a confident prayer of healer guy. Is that prayer of healing guy? But I've done it. And I've been asked to do it in my function as a pastor. Um, one of our favorite stories is, is of a young man in our former church who was uh, on a motorcycle in an accident and was in a coma for two weeks. And they had just started coming to our church, and, and his uh, young wife asked us to come. She said, would you come and, and get the elders and lay hands on him and pray for him? And I said, sure. I mean, what are you going to say? And so, But I... I have to say, I had no overwhelming sense of confidence that God was going to do something. But sure, we're going to pray. So we come, and, and he's in intensive care. And I remember the, the staff were, they were not really excited. We were coming in with four or five people to pray and lay hands. And, and, but we, I said, well, well, here we go. <laughs> so we go in, and, and uh, I had some oil, and I anointed his head with the sign of the cross. And, and we prayed. And as we prayed, he sat up and opened his eyes. And I'm just, oh, I really, you know, I'm thinking, is somebody else here? What's going on? Um, And he did. He sat up. And then he laid back down, and he was in a coma for five more weeks. I don't know what was that. What was that? And then he gradually came out, and today, and, and he's a Facebook friend today. They're in Montana right now on vacation, and got a little trouble with his shoulder, but otherwise he's great. We have authority doesn't mean you have to have this overwhelming sense of confidence. I, sometimes we think faith is, is just driving out any, any thought that might sneak in there that God isn't going to do something. I don't think that's faith at all. Faith is just reaching out and touching. It's like the woman with the bleeding, you know, that sneaks up behind Jesus. and All she had to do was touch. Faith is just reaching out. And then you, you leave it to Jesus. Healing comes fast and slow, right? Fast and slow. Uh, we're involved with a ministry called the Community of Hope in North Portland. It's, it's a, a ministry, it's a residential uh, housing for homeless single parents and kids. And we, we have them in for maybe uh, four months or so, and we give them training. And, and they take a rent well class to learn to be good renters and what their rights are as renters. They, they get jobs. They, they take classes on, on a trauma, coping with trauma. Um, and, and we offer um, spiritual care and, as well, but it's not required. Um, we started that just a few years ago in the basement of one of the churches in North Portland and just on a shoestring. Well, we didn't even have a shoestring. It was just, just you know, we would meet together as a board and, and well, we can, we, we can continue for another three weeks, thankfully because we had a director who we weren't paying. Um, and she was willing to continue in, in an unpaid role. And, and it, somehow this thing has 
gotten more substantial. I think we've got money for three or four months now. And we have a facility. And we have staff. And we have a track record. And and I, I don't know. How in the world has that happened? I don't know. That's the authority, right? The authority to heal. We just set out. Healing happens fast and slow. That experience with Eric, that our young friend, that was fast. Well, fast, but then it's slow, I guess. But the community of hope, that's, that's slow. And we call it, when it's fast, what do we call it? A miracle. When it's slow, what's God call it? Well, it's, it's all the same to God, right? Fast or slow, it's, it's the same thing. We call it miracle. He says, oh, he's just doing what he does. We have authority. Heal the sick who are there. You see that, that Jesus says? Can we pray? You know, remember when Jesus went into Peter's home and the mother-in-law was sick? Well, who was there? The mother-in-law. She's got a fever. Pray for her. That's all we're called upon to do, to pray or maybe to think about together what's a, 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 a healing initiative. Because, I mean, healing is not just physical sickness. It's, it's people that are homeless. It's people that don't have jobs. It's emotional struggle. Anything that disrupts the peace that we talked about last week, the shalom, right? Anything that threatens peace needs healing. Heal the sick. To bless is to heal, fast or slow. Then he goes on and says, the king, and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. These are just power-packed phrases from Jesus. Heal the sick who are there. Tell them the kingdom of God is near you. What's the kingdom? Well, again, the peace message, that shalom. It's, it's, every, it's, it's the rule of God present on earth as it is in heaven. It's this rule living itself out. And by the way, here's a king coming. <laughs> um, a personal, living, human king who's coming. It's the kingdom. It's peace available to everyone. Everyone who's hurting, who struggles. To Lisa, our friend, it is the kingdom being near you. Tell them it's near you, that household you just entered, that place where you're engaging. Tell them it's near you. You know, Lisa has developed a sense of trust with us, and I often meet her for coffee in my coffee shop in uh, St. John's, and, and, and she, she'll say, tell me one of your stories. So I tell her a story from the Bible that I, I've been reading. And a lot of times, I, it's not a story that I understand very well. You know, and I'll, I'll, not long ago, I was reading through Joshua. And I, there's a lot in Joshua that just throws me around. You know, I just think, whoa. And so I tell her this, and I say, I'm just trying to figure this out. And she just, she says, I love your stories. She's an atheist. She loves stories from the Bible. Tell them. Tell them that the kingdom is near. There is something about telling. Sometimes we are so good at not wanting to meddle. We might pray for healing. We might work for healing, try to set up some good ministries for healing. But we're not going to tell people things. Tell them. Tell them. One of my uh, uh, early mentors in evangelism uh, was a woman named Becky Pippert. She was on InterVarsity staff here in the Portland area. 
Um, and I was on InterVarsity staff in Iowa at the time and, and uh, sat under her teaching. And, and she worked with students at Reed College and some other colleges. And she wrote a book called Salt, what is it called? Out of the Salt Shaker. Getting the salt out of the salt shaker, that was the idea. Um, but one thing she said that I thought was very interesting, that, that if, we, if you are concerned about um, it, it hurting, well, hurting, hurting someone's feelings or pressing something on someone that they don't want to hear, if you're concerned about that or, or being you know, insensitive to their feelings, if you're concerned about that, it's not your problem. There are people that have that problem. Let's be honest. There are, not a lot of Christians have that problem, but there are some. But most of us don't have that problem. Most of us have the problem of a lack of boldness. We're just, well, I don't want to tell people what, I don't want to say anything about Jesus. Well, one thing that I have found helpful, and, and this story with Lisa helps me a lot, what are you receiving from the Lord right now in Scripture? What are you reading? Be in the Word. Just be reading. Be, be taking in, be, be thinking about stories and uh, concepts from Scripture. Be in the Word and just share that. You don't have to share some, some artificial outline or structure. And maybe there's, you know, not that there's anything t- terrible about that, but what are you reading? Right? What has Jesus said to you lately? Share that. Tell them the kingdom is near we bless people by healing. We bless people by telling. Well, now we come to verses 10 through 15. And maybe when you heard this read, you squirmed a little like I squirmed when I read it, and I thought, oh, mm, I've got to say something about this. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet, we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. And then he goes on to talk about it'll be more bearable you know, than for Sodom than it is for you. And, and he says, woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. That's kind of harsh. I wish I could just pick out sections and, and drop sections from Scripture sometimes, right? Not have to deal with some of that. But, you know, this happened to Jesus just before. In Luke 9, in fact, if, if your Bible's open, you can see it. You just look at the, the column before. It says, he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. He was on his way to Jerusalem. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When, when, the, <clears throat> excuse me, when the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them and said, and they went on to another village. So it doesn't mean that, right? It doesn't mean when people don't welcome or when people reject a message. It doesn't mean he's not saying we call fire down upon them, we, 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 we condemn them. He's not saying that. What is he saying? Well, first of all, notice that it's verse 11 This is the verse he says to say to them. We're going to knock the dust off our feet. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. The same message, right? We're knocking, you know, that knocking the dust off your feet, it's kind of like we're washing our hands. 
We are moving on. We're going to another village. We can't remove the woe from the gospel. The woes, we we can't take it away. There is something there. Um, I, I was struggling with this this week and thinking, what... What does this mean, Jesus? And I, I uh, listened to a podcast from my friend Josh Hawk, and Josh is a young pastor on that board with me for the Community of Hope. He's in North Portland. You might have heard a few weeks ago about a young pastor here in Portland who fell down Mount Hood. He, he climbed Mount Hood. He, he's an expert skier. Got up, and then they were skiing down, and he, he hit an icy spot and went 600 feet and should have died and broke his ankle and ribs and wrist and shoulder and somehow didn't get any internal injuries and I mean terrible terrible accident but he's home and he's recovering and I've gone over to see him but I'm listening to his podcast and he's talking about the podcast and you have to know his younger brother Benji about 10 years ago died in a skiing accident so for the family you know this is just terrible you know and scary he said as he was laying there on the mountain, and it took several hours. They, had, they tried with a helicopter and couldn't get the helicopter in, and finally had, they took him down on a sled. And he said he was just, he, he loves to control. He says, I want control in my life. I had nothing. He said, I had to surrender. And I thought, ah, that's it. Surrender. We can't remove the surrender part of the gospel. The message is strong. The kingdom of God is near. There is, there is healing. There is peace. There is joy. But it only comes through surrender. It comes when the church surrenders, right? When we surrender to him, we become vehicles of the kingdom. And for people to receive blessing, there also has to be some sort of surrender, even in an initial way. We can't remove the woe from the gospel. We also, another thing I think we learned from this, is we are to treat people like pagans. Does that sound harsh? <laughs> Matthew 18, remember the, story, the, 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 the little formula Jesus gives us for how to deal with a brother or sister who you have a dispute with? He says, first, go to them directly. And if that doesn't work, you, uh, you bring along somebody else, find a friend, Go to them. If that doesn't work, you take it to the church somehow. Go to the leaders and say, this is, I don't, this is not working out. And if that doesn't work, he says, treat them like you would a pagan or a tax collector. Well, how did Jesus treat pagans and tax collectors? He loved them. <laughs> he, he tried to reach them. He, but he didn't expect them to live up to the standards of the church. That's really important. So there's a point where we, we don't take away the woe of the gospel, and we also don't expect people to live like they are, are solid, solidly following Jesus. We don't expect that. We love them. And Jesus was explaining in Matthew 18, there may come a time when someone really is strained to the point where you say, hey, all right, I'm not going to talk with you anymore about your lifestyle or whatever. is. I'm just going to love you. I'm just going to love you. Verse 16. 
He who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me. But he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. He who listens to you listens to me. Remember, he's telling the 72 this before they go. And think of the, the freedom, the, the sense of freedom that as they went into these towns and villages, as they entered houses, as they got to know people, as they began to pray for someone sick or, or someone who had a great need there, or, and, and they felt or saw or experienced somehow the authority of God in, in their prayers or in their help for someone, and they told them the kingdom is near. Jesus is coming. And people were saying, well, is he the Messiah? And they were saying, I think so. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. He's coming, though. And it is going to be so cool when he gets here. You won't believe it. You're just going to listen to him and watch him. He's coming. We are not here to represent ourselves. We're not here to, to be right about everything. There's such a freedom in that. I don't have to be right. I don't know. Let's, let's, I'll try to figure out what Jesus might say about that, but I don't know. All I know is he's coming. All I know is I want to be here to help heal. I want to tell you about what he's doing in my life. To bless is to represent Jesus. We represent who Jesus is, those three questions from the journey process Scott talked about. We answer that question. Who is Jesus? We give testimony to that. Who am I? You know, I'm a person under obligation to Jesus. I'm a person, I've been called to surrender to Jesus, and I'm doing the, I'm doing the best I can, I hope. I'm trying to surrender to Jesus. And what am I called to do? I'm called to die, to die for people around me and to die for this world like Jesus. That's, that's the message. That's what it means to bless was talking with Lisa uh, a while back, and, and we were talking about trust, because she, she can't trust. I mean, she, her trust mechanism is broken, maybe beyond repair. And I was telling her how, how important it is in, in the gospel message. Dallas Willard you know, says that trust Jesus. That's the summary of the Christian faith. So she, was, she had a little napkin on the, you know, um, and she wrote a little formula. She's kind of a formula person. And she wrote, Lisa, trust, and then she wrote a blank. And she said, I need a noun. <laughs> I haven't got a noun. And she said, I know you're going to say, put Jesus in the, noun, you know, in the blank. That's what you're going to say. And I thought, well, yeah. So then we, you know, we're doing our coffee shop stuff and looking at our phones and stuff. And, and so then I, I thought, oh, I had a thought. So I took her little napkin and I wrote in the front of it, Jesus, and with a little arrow pointing to Lisa, trust, and then I wrote Jesus. And I said, Lisa, you, you cannot trust him until he shows you that you can trust him. And that's what I'm praying for, that Jesus will show Lisa that he can trust Jesus. That's all I can do. And she hasn't done that yet. We're praying. We're sent to bless. We're sent to engage, to heal, to tell, and to represent Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you honor us 
by somehow showing yourself through us. You ask us to surrender to you, to live under obligation to you, to die to ourselves and take up our crosses. And you give us the picture in your in the gift of this meal, of the Lord's Supper, you give us a picture of dying and uh, giving yourself for the world. So, Lord, help us as we receive your body and blood. Help us to uh, somehow understand what that means for us to give our lives away. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.